Attention radio listeners. Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York playing at uh, Roosevelt Bowie. It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. And good morning, everybody. It is Monday, January 27th, 2020. This is Centers of Attention. We are live and local in central New York. We are also all around the world on twitch.tv slash Talk. My name is Seth Everett. My broadcast partner is former NBA center Danny Shays. Uh, Danny, I, I have said to you in the past, when we need to talk basketball, I'm so thrilled, and you have done a great job about the other sports. Yesterday, transcended sports. Um, you played with Kobe Bryant, so I want to start with that. I want to get through how you heard and how I heard. I will tell my tiny little story about my one interaction with him. <laughs> I told you last night. Um but he, you know, a a, a legacy. Uh, this is an iconic figure. It's a it's a it's a global brand. Kobe Bryant is a global brand. This is beyond basketball, beyond sports, beyond the Lakers, beyond America. It's beyond everything. And the world felt a shock yesterday. You played against him. Tell me. I did. I played against both him and his dad, interestingly enough. Uh, his dad, Joe Bryant, Jellybean, was still in the league when I came in in 81. He was with the Clippers uh, at the time, and uh, and then Houston, so we pl- overlapped a couple years, and then Kobe came in at 96. Uh, I you know, retired in 99, so we overlapped a couple years on the other end. And uh, when Kobe came in, he was young. He was obviously brash. Uh, yeah. you know, Very highly touted. Yeah. Highly touted. Highly uh, touted. Uh, why you know a little on the wild side on the court? Uh, I'm not talking about anything off the court, but on the court he was uh, fearless. Uh, you know he was way ahead of his time. Uh, you know he grew up uh, with his dad. Obviously, as a pro player, he spent uh, half his years growing up in Italy playing against pros when he was you know. 10, 11, 12, 13 uh, in his yeah. dad's practices, and way ahead of his time. Totally dedicated. And I remember one play we were on the foul line at the end of a game. And uh, I was boxing out. He was in the spot next to me, and he's, you know, sandbagging. He's looking around like he's not paying attention. The shot's going up. And I'm looking at him going, dude, are you trying to sandbag me and, you know, have me fall asleep? Shot goes up, and lo and behold, he bolted into the middle of the lane. I go, that's pretty sophisticated for a rookie. You know, he was uh, already working all the angles. And, uh, you know, just that kind of player, even at that age, you know, like I said, he came in and he was fearless on the court. Um and, uh, you know, you could see there was a lot there. You didn't know how good he'd be because, again, his game had had very little in what could be called polish at the time. Uh, you know, certainly not, uh, uh, you know, anything like uh, what he grew into. He just his game improved over time in so many ways. Uh, but, uh, you know, just huge energy back then. Uh, you know, you could tell that he was he was a force. I mean, there's not. Not really another way to look at it. Uh, he was just uh, uh, every minute on the court, uh, you know, he was going full out. But his timing was also big because he was the transition after Jordan. He was the next player that was known by one name. Um, you know, there was Shaq, but Shaq's a nickname technically. 
Kobe is his name, you know, and and Kobe, I, 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 I'll show my ignorance real quick. I used to think Kobe Beef was named after Kobe Bryant. After Kobe, well, I didn't well, it's know just a different Kobe. Yeah, just um, a different right, and it's Kobe. Um, yeah, exactly. What's so interesting about that is that uh, you know when they talk about there'll never be another fill in the blank, you know, Mickey Mantle, Tom Brady, you know, uh, when Jordan retired, there'll never be another Jordan. And then ironically, the next one to come along patterned his entire game after Jordan uh, stuck it, his tongue out the same way, carbon same copy, kind of yeah. walk, same kind of mannerisms. Uh, yeah. and then you had LeBron right after him, you know, after Will Chamberlain, you had Shaq, you had this and that, you know, the game goes on, uh, and stars come you know, then you have, you know, these, uh, the, the new generation of players, the Kevin Durant, you know, the Steph Curry's who just are unique in their own way. The tragedy of this is not that we lost a guy who had just finished a fantastic career. We have all that on video, as, as, as crushing as that is. To me, the, the, the real punishment here is the Kobe we're not going to see for the next 20, 30 years. I mean, he was being so dynamic in his next chapter telling stories and being a, uh, a leader in, in youth sports and just all the things he was doing. You mentioned a global brand. Soccer. So- uh, yeah. Exactly. You know, all the things that, that he was about to give us. Uh, you know, when I think of when did, when did I ever feel something on this magnitude? Uh, you know, I was thinking back to this, and I remember. Yeah, I asked you uh, that last Payne, night, yeah. When Payne Stewart uh, hmm. uh, died in his plane crash, I was actually living in Orlando in Payne's neighborhood uh, Alworth Country Club, where Tiger Woods lived. They've since named the street to the clubhouse after him. And uh, he, if you remember, he had just come off that dramatic win in the mm-hmm. Masters where he hit that 20-footer uphill. Sure, And sure. he had life ahead of him. And same kind of thing. Hugely dynamic guy in the flower of his life. Just, you know, uh, just incredible future ahead of him. And, and the same kind of stunning news out of nowhere. Uh, and the only other thing that really comes to mind is, you know, JFK Jr. and Princess Di. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like people on that level with so much to give. Again, it's not... You know, so much that uh, from what they had done, it's from what they have left to give. That's the incredible tragedy here. Yeah, his, you know, he had designed this media company. Uh, He had done a short film about his uh, retirement from the Lakers, and he won an Oscar for it. Um, He had invested in sports drinks. He had uh, had done so many things, and he was then going to coach his, his daughter, um, there's this famous story that we had heard, but we never talked about when Kobe Bryant went on Jimmy Kimmel and people would go up to him and, you know, this is Kobe Bryant, I'm paraphrasing, and he would say, um, you know, you should have a son so you could pass on your genetics. And he said, I, you know, and, and Gianna or Gigi, as she's, she's known, uh, would come in and say, I got this. I, I got this. She fully planned on joining the WNBA, and you know she was she's what thirteen, and, and it just there's two other young girls on the plane. There's families that were there. There's a baseball coach and his daughter, and I mean it's just a it's a tragic uh, tragic story. Um, and I, next segment, I want to talk about how we found out because I think there's a big topic there. You know, the, the, the whole day yesterday was was a strange day. We're we're pretty much going to do the whole show on this. Um, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear Jim Beheim was on ESPN yesterday. You went on ESPN Radio National, and um, he talked about his relationship with Kobe, having coached him in the Olympics. And so I found that really fascinating. I heard snippets of that, so we're going to air that at ten thirty. Um, my dumb uh, Kobe Bryant story 
I've only I only interacted with him twice. Uh, one time, uh, I covered the NBA Finals in 2002. It was the New Jersey Nets and the Lakers, and I was covering it for Fox Sports Radio. I didn't say anything to him. You know, I stood in scrums, you know, in the locker room. I went in the Laker locker room when they won, um, and I saw their celebration, but I wasn't a part of that. So I have a big thing about people who are not, like, in their day-to-day getting involved in that kind of stuff because oh, yeah. that's not that's not my place, you know. But I, but I saw it. I, I was in the locker room. I was getting interviews and, and, and doing uh, my job, uh, you know, for Fox at the time. Um, my interaction with him is so dumb. Is ninety seven his rookie year? Um, his rookie year was my first full year in Denver, and I've told this story before. I I had very little to do with the Nuggets. Uh, my primary job was the Denver Broncos, and then it turned into I got a gig with the Colorado Avalanche, and then eventually I I covered the Colorado Rockies. The Nuggets was always if I had free time or. I would go, and Tommy Shepard was a good friend, and you, you know Tommy, obviously. And I would go to Nuggets games, and the Lakers were in town, and they had this hot rookie, this Kobe Bryant. And I was 23, and I went. I went on my own accord. I had a credential, and I went. And he was sitting there in the locker room, and I went up to him. And I, I was 23, and I can honestly say I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> that's, that's the only way to say this is I don't I didn't know what to say and I get him and he couldn't he was very nice and he said sure and we sat there and the only question I could come up with was how do you travel with your teammates you're not 21 I was amazed by somebody that young could be on an NBA roster and he smiled and he looked at me and he just said that's cool. I got Spectrovision. <laughs> and Spectrovision, if you remember in the 90s, was the thing that you got in a hotel. That's how you watched movies. <laughs> right. You would call Spectrovision. And that was my, and, and I just was, that was my interview. I never talked to him about anything substantial other than that. And it was my only interaction. And I always thought as his star grew, I said, well, I can't get an interview with him now. You know, when I created my podcast, I couldn't get him there. I, you know, it, it, it's not a regret, you know, because it, it doesn't matter. But it's just, it's so interesting. You remember, I remember interviewing Jordan. I remember in, interviewing Shaq. Like, I, you can remember these these icons because they transcend the sport. And, you know, I, I remember having this conversation with, uh, with Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez and I, you know, Brooke Lopez is a good player. And he's had a very nice NBA career. He is a basketball player. Kobe Bryant's an icon. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're talking about something on another level. It defines sports. And we talk about that all the time with uh, Syracuse legends. Because Syracuse legends who go on to have NBA careers, they become larger than life. But you can be a great Syracuse player and barely get a sniff in the NBA. And in this, when you are at the top of the mountain, the top of everything, um, that's what Kobe Bryant was. And I, I think you're right. The entrepreneurial aspect of Kobe Bryant's future was fascinating from a sports business standpoint, but just a business standpoint and an entertainment standpoint. And last night it was really weird. The Grammy Awards, which I could do a whole hour on, um, 
the Grammy Awards were taking place in the arena where he built, you know, the arena sure. that he he opened. Um, both of his numbers are, are are retired. What did you make of the tributes? For, well, first of all, before we do the tributes, what did you think about the decision that Adam Silver had to make whether or not to play games? It's a it, it is a very very difficult thing. I, I think. Uh, I agree with Adam that you play the games with the tributes um, just because there's, you know, there's so much in motion, um, you know, by that point and, and the, and the turnaround was so short, right? One of the uh, games but, was an afternoon. I think Denver was playing and it was like starting right as the news. Broke. Exactly. Exactly. And San so Antonio what do they play? Right but everybody that. else doesn't. Right. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's awkward. So it, he was really, you know, really, he did make the right decision to move on. Um, to play, but it's so tough for for players, especially guys who knew him well, you know, to go out there and uh, and play that game. I thought some of the tributes were very meaningful. The uh, you know the twenty four second clock uh, violations in his honor for the twenty four. Yeah, yeah. So so c- c- let me just explain that for the for the audience. The, the idea was that you tip the ball off. Whoever catches it would literally just hold on to the ball. For 24 seconds, the shot clock would go off, but it's 24 seconds. And during the course of the waiting for the 24 seconds, the crowd applauds. And then you hand the ball to the other team because of 24 second violation. You give the ball to the other team. And then that team did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'd never, I'd never seen that ever in my life. And then there were teams that took it one step further because, you know, there's an eight second violation, which if you don't cross the, t- the, the center court, the timeline, if right. you don't cross, you, that's an eight-second violation. You lose the ball. They, there were teams that did that too. Well, what there's so many things going on that are almost like freaky, diabolical in nature. You think about LeBron last night, the night before, yeah, in oh, Philly, yeah. passing him on the all-time list. Interview after interview, gushing what Kobe means to him, gushing and. Yeah. You know, and the impact he had. I mean, just incredibly touching conversation. And uh, you, you knew at some point there was a, you know, a hug and an embrace and a ceremony, you know, something in our future. Uh, then you talk about, again, you know, the Grammys going on in the arena during the well, outside the arena. Uh, you know, again, same thing, you know, an eight second violation, a 24 second violation. Really? It's like of all the numbers there are. You know everything lined up. It's, it's like there's just something absolutely, you know, numbing about how many of these things were happening all at the same time. I, I mean, even Kobe or, or even LeBron talked about, you know, what are the odds? I'm in Philly, his hometown, his hometown, passing yeah. him on the all-time list. Uh, you know, and just you know, and then uh, Kobe tweeting out, you know, about LeBron, Con- yeah, congratulating and LeBron, yeah, and uh, you know, just so. Uh, you know, like I said, so almost like touchingly sweet. You know how, uh, you know how he understands the, you know, just the, the the history of it and how history moves on, and then you know how ironic then you know that would be his last tweet. And um, you know, again, just some of these things are just uh, just stunningly, uh, you know, just out of nowhere. It's I mean, it's uh, it's, it's really incredible. There was. Um there's a synergy. First of all, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I, I'm, I'm not apologizing. I, I went Twitter crazy. I was retweeting everything. Everything I saw that touched me in any way just was just gave me a little chill. I retweeted. And I don't usually do that. That's not, that's not who I am. I usually 
be you know tell jokes and, and do snarky things and promote shows and that's pretty much it and you know my obsession with my podcasts um but one of the interviews that i retweeted was lebron saturday night just gushing about kobe bryant saturday night 12 hours before i mean it was saturday night it was a national television game and lebron passed kobe and it was it was really something. It's just it, it's chilling uh, to see that, and uh, it's it's just it's a legacy. Well, it's, but, talking about being in a Laker uniform in Philadelphia, you know, oh, I mean, just God. so many, you know, so many elements. I mean, he could have done it in San Antonio. He could have done it, you know, wherever. But uh, you know, just the timing was, uh, you know, of it all. It's just surreal. And you know, coming up, I want to talk about the day yesterday and what happened and the accident and how we all found out and what a strange thing. But I want to leave on a on a lighter note. Craig Sager, uh, the late Craig Sager, who is an incredible reporter in his own right, spoke to Kobe Bryant at a Phillies Dodgers playoff game. Now he's from Philadelphia, right? He 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 his he he. Actually, you know, he spent a long time growing up in in um, in Italy, and then he went to high school in Philadelphia. He was born in Philadelphia, you know, went to high school in Philadelphia, and then went right to the Lakers. And Craig Sager was asked, "Are you torn because you're the Dodgers? You know, it's you're in L.A. You're a Laker, and they're playing the Phillies." And he said, "No, no, I've been in L.A. for 14 years at this point. In 14 years, I'm I'm go Dodgers here." And he said, well, what about your hometown team? He says, I never liked the Phillies. I was a Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Uh, you know, amongst all the tributes, I heard that. I said, oh, God. I said, uh, that, that was, I, I was shocked. I, I, was, I was just stunned uh, from that. All right, so we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. Remember, Jim Beheim at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Seth Everett, Danny Shays. This is Centers of Attention on Q Sports Talk on Twitch and ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk. And on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. All right, back here on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. Seth Everett, Danny Shays uh, with you. Um so many angles to this this story and, and and all the things that are that are awful but one thing Danny mentioned just two seconds ago and I think if you were watching on Twitch you heard it um, but this great point you know every media outlet in the world does has a department that works on obituaries and when I was at MLB I, I'll just tell the quick story this guy Ed Randall his job every day was he picked two guys and he would record he would write record and they would put video together for a two minute package on every old baseball player they could think of you know like everybody and he did it every day i said what a morbid job but it was it was it was it was what he did if you think about this nobody was prepared nobody was ready for kobe bryant you couldn't imagine it, and it's one of the wildest. And the memory that it reminded me of, because I found out on Twitter, and the only parallel is uh, the late uh, baseball player, uh, Daryl Hamilton, who was my best friend. And I was recording a podcast. I was sitting in this chair, if you're watching on Twitch, and I was recording a podcast, and I would check Twitter as I 
do constantly, and I saw tweets about Daryl's passing. That's how I found out. And yesterday, TMZ broke the story. And the, the police sheriff had an issue, and this is where I want to bring up the first discussion, is TMZ said, how dare T... Uh, no, no, the police chief said, how dare TMZ break that story before we've been able to notify next of kin? What's your theory on that? We live in this information age, social media is all over, there's clearly a crash. What it, it, Did TMZ do the right thing or the wrong thing? Well, TMC did the right thing for TMZ. I mean, it's uh, you know that's kind of what they're known for is the kind of that breaking thing. I mean, it's all I knew. You know, when they were announced it, all you knew was Kobe, right? They didn't announce anyone else. They didn't even announce. The oh, then the rumors. The, the rumors the, were. Then the rumors were, started. Sure, they were so the irresponsible. Rumors, they the were all just that. Uh, and what was so interesting, you know, we were talking about how you found out. Right, I was at. You were in that chair. I was in this this chair, this desk, doing, you know, doing just some office work. My my seventeen uh, year old son comes in and says, "Dad, you're not going to believe it." Just vomits the news on me, and I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "So I go to the go to the web, start looking for it." Of course. And and all that was up was the TMZ report. It was that you know that fresh TMZ. And uh, uh, I went to ESPN, nothing. SI.com, nothing. NBA.com, nothing. None of the news outlets had. It was only TMZ at that point. Right, and, and Twitter was Twitter was bananas at that moment because everyone's like, please let this be wrong. Right, exactly, exactly. And then, of course, they start speculating, oh, my God, was the whole family, the whole family on the... And, and, and there, there was an ABC affiliate, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but there was an yeah. ABC affiliate that reported that. They said the whole family was on board. Right. There was another report, and these were reports, these were reputable, verified media outlets that reported Rick Fox, right. which if you're joining us late, he's alive and well. And, and, and he had to prove, he had to show proof of life. Rick Fox was in our, in my mind was perished for an hour, an hour. Right. Well, what was so again uh, so interesting about this is for the first stretch of time, they were reporting Kobe and five others. I think it right. was, or maybe of, or one no, of five. No, it was Kobe and like four others. Right, and it was five others. people total. Five, yep. five people total. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like, hours later, the LAPD does their first press conference. They don't say much, but they confirm yeah. there were nine. It was like, nine? You got this all cow. wrong. Right. And it was all wrong. Um, and then little by little, you know, the the people who were on the other end started saying, yes, we're confirming that my... Uh, you know, remember the baseball coach was there. The daughter was a teammate, and the mom and dad. And then it turned out that uh, they later announced that the the coach of the team, uh, right. a woman I don't know her name off the top of my head, yep. but the Mouser. shoes on. Yep, yep. And um, so little by little, it, it, things were reported from either the families or in, in the coach's case, the school. Um, but what, what was I? It really interesting is I was you know, looking for information. Right, you're all scrambling. Well, what happened? And was it this and that? And how many people? And what happened? Uh, NBA NBA.com was actually one of the last outlets that put something up. Uh, they, they, they waited because yeah. they because they were wanting as much information as possible and to put together as complete uh, you know a, a thing as possible. But uh, you know what a position to uh, uh, you know for anyone to have to deal with. Uh, you know, for something like that. But no, I, I mean, I don't fault TMZ for, you know, for putting it out there. You know, number one, that's their business. And, and you know, there's really, 
you know, uh, you know, everyone plus there, there, people are waiting for Kobe to show up. I mean, he's like, I mean, right. every minute he's late. Well, where is he? He was just said he was going to be here five minutes ago, and uh, so there's really no way to hide that. You know that it was Kobe on the on the helicopter. But uh, but God, what a you know, like I said, when I heard about it, I was like, you know, the, the rest of the day I couldn't. I you know, couldn't as function. I just you a minute ago. I I you know first I'm like just stunned. Then I'm you know trying to keep the tears back unsuccessfully because you know it's uh, personal. Then I say, okay, I finally got under control. Then I, you know, we'd be having a conversation, and all of a sudden, boo-hoo, just like overwhelm me again. Uh, then they show the picture of him and his daughter, and oh, it would be overwhelming again. And then try and put it away, and like think, you know, as a as a reporter, you know, you're telling the story, or you're thinking about the story, and then all of a sudden, it's just overwhelming again. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's and then just they, uh, yeah. you're, you're tough to manage, no matter who you are, no matter how close you were to him. You, all, you felt Correct. like you knew him. Well, I, I, you know, just here's some, some stories. So, uh, so Gianna Bryant uh, was on the was on the helicopter. Then it's John Eltabelli, who was the head baseball coach at Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa. Uh, his wife Carrie and his daughter Alyssa. Alyssa was on the basketball team. Right. Uh, Christina Mauser was their coach, as you referenced. Uh, her husband was on the Today Show this morning, which was really weird. Uh, Sarah Chester and her middle age, middle school age daughter Peyton were also on board. They were, again, teammate on the team and her mom. Uh, and the pilot was a gentleman by the name of Ara Zabayan. Uh, according to the FAA, he had his commercial pilot certificate in 2007. It's a helicopter that Kobe Bryant owned and he used all the time, all the time, and was no- notorious for going to games via helicopter, and no one thought twice about it. And look, I, I don't, I'm not speculating here, but just going through facts, there was fog and wind, and the police, the LA police, grounded their helicopters. Now they did not ground all helicopters, so there wasn't a law being broken going on the, you know, up in the air. But if they thought it was dangerous enough. To not fly police helicopters, the question then has to be asked, why were they flying? And And then there was the witness on the ground who said he heard engine trouble, sputtering, uh, helicopter losing altitude, and then a crash. But it was so foggy he couldn't make it out. So, I mean, there's so much to be learned here, and who knows how long it'll take. And... uh, um, but they, you know, the estimates were he hit the mountain at 160 miles an hour, and there was it was just not survivable. And that uh, that baseball coach Al Tabelli, uh, he coached uh, a guy on the Mets, Jeff McNeil, and he coached Aaron Judge, uh, who wow. was a you know just he, yeah it was it was something. I mean, there's no no question it was it was definitely something um, crazy. It's just a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. All right, quick, take a quick timeout. Let's hear from the head coach of your uh, Syracuse Orange. He went on ESPN yesterday to talk about his relationship with Kobe Bryant, and I thought it was very appropriate for us to uh, to hear from him. Uh, I'm Seth Everett. He's Danny Shays. Uh, this is Centers of Attention on Q Sports Talk on Twitch and ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. All right, back here on ESPN Syracuse. So glad you're with us. Seth Everett and Danny Shays, we've been looking back at the life of Kobe Bryant. 
You know, a lot of our listeners are too young to remember Roberto Clemente. Roberto Clemente is before my time. I was five years old when Thurman Munson passed away uh, in a plane crash. Uh, both of them were plane crashes. Um, I'm trying to think. You referenced uh, Lady Diana. Uh, that was, you know, it's a non-sports one. The difference between those two, though, is those two are active players. You know what I mean? It's 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 yeah. not it's not it doesn't make it any less of a tragedy, but it's that's an active player. That's a that's a difference, you know. Yeah, I do remember Thurman Munson. Uh, sure, you know I, I was, was five years being, old. I'm a few years older than you, so yes, you I are. do remember that when Roberto was you know, earlier than I was paying attention, but not by much. And uh, you know, you're right. A guy struck down in the in the just the prime of his career. Uh, those are you know those are the ones that that stick with you. I remember the the Munson. I just remember my parents were crying. I, I didn't know why. I didn't, you know, and I I rarely saw that. I, I thought it was weird. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Joe Bowers Farmers Insurance in North Syracuse. Okay, so yesterday, and I saw this. Uh, you know, I I heard a reference to it, and I thought it was really really special. Uh, and I thought it was a good opportunity for us to do something uh, special as well. Uh, so yesterday, ESPN Radio was going on. These two fine gentlemen, Jeff Dickerson and Jonathan Hood, were hosting on ESPN Radio. And they had uh, Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim. This is maybe two hours after the news had broke. Uh, let's listen in. Oh, legendary Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim, Nice enough to, to join us here. On Dickerson and Hood, it's ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Jim, I'm sure uh, it's just a difficult day for not just basketball fans, but for everyone that, that loved Kobe Bryant that might not have been, um, you know, diehard Lakers fans. But can you just put in the words kind of what Kobe Bryant meant to the game of basketball? Yeah, you know, it, it's a hard day. It really is. I first heard this right during our practice and at the end and uh, talked to the team about it. And uh, it just so many Kobe Bryant fans, uh, you know, my son growing up, that's what he talked about, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And my experience when we coached the world championship uh, the first year we coached in 06, we lost. And the next year, the next summer, Kobe came out. And from day one, it was shocking to me to see this guy, August, whatever, 10th, 90, you know, 102 degrees coming out to Vegas and comes in and works out in the morning, works out with us, works out at night again, and works out three times a day for the whole week when we were getting ready for a qualif- just a qualifier, you know, just a qualifier for uh, the Olympics the next year. And we had a lot of young players, and uh, LeBron and Carmelo, those guys were pretty young in 06. And Kobe showed them, this is what you do. This is how you play basketball. And I'll never forget, we were up 42 points in one of those games, and he was picking up a player on the other team, full court, pressuring him, and just took the ball away and made it. And he came over, and I said, Kobe, you know, we're up. He said, no, that's the way you play. That's the way you play. And he said that a couple times with me during the course of, of course, we won the qualifier, we won the Olympics, in 08, when it was a close play at the end, when we needed a basket, he made the basket. Then we won again in London, and uh, he he played every play of every practice, whether it was an off day or for up 40 in a game, he played every play. And it stuck with me for 
a long time. I think he taught LeBron and a lot of those young guys, this is how you play. Um, it wasn't just his talent. His talent is uh, monumental. But the way he came and approached the game, Jordan's the only one I've ever seen like him. Uh, you know, I didn't get to coach Michael Jordan. I got to work with Kobe Bryant, two different Olympics. Uh, his work ethic was... And we had guys with great work ethic, too. I mean, I'm telling you, really good work ethic. Uh, the guys that we had, whether it was Steph Curry or Harden or LeBron or Kevin Durant, I mean, these guys all had great work ethic. But there was nobody like Kobe Bryant. And uh, that's what I'll remember him for. Not not so much that he's you know, obviously one of the top, very few top basketball players of all time, but his work ethic and what he did every day, his competitive fire for the game of basketball was uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. Coach, when you are, are coaching uh, great players, you have a relationship with these players. What was it like to talk to Kobe one-on-one about basketball and life? You know, he was uh, he was not a talker. He was a doer. <laughs> he would just do it. I remember the only time we we that I really remember talking to him during a game. We we dominated everybody really except Spain. Uh, in in the I think it was in the uh, London Olympics, and uh, guard from Spain was giving us a hard time. Hit eighteen or twenty in the first half, and I said we got to do something with him. He said, Coach, I got him. I get him. And they, I think the guy started scored two points in the second half. Uh, he was that kind of player, you know, he, a bit of a loner off the court, did what he, you know, went his way, but on the basketball court, he came to play, he played every play and, uh, wanted to win games. He wanted to win games. That's what he wanted to do. And, uh, really it was a unique experience working with Kobe Bryant. And I, I was fortunate to work with a lot of great players in those three different Olympic games, but Kobe always stood out uh, for his work ethic and fierce determination to win the game and to make the play that had to win the game. He was the guy that we would look for to win the game when you had to. Jim Beheim, kind enough to give us a couple of minutes here on ESPN Radio. And Jim, you said you, you talked to your team after practice today. I find it remarkable that even this current generation of players has this connection oh. to Kobe Bryant. I mean, those guys on your team that weren't even born when he entered the league back in the mid nineteen nineties yet. They've got that connection. That's true. But they all saw him. They've all you know, my son, you know, was a big, big Kobe Bryant fan. He has a Kobe Bryant jersey. He met Kobe uh at the Olympics in, in China and uh he's a, a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And uh, I think he actually helped the young players. I think he helped my sons. They watched him. They watched him at practice. They watched what he did, how hard he went. I mean, every day. Didn't matter. You know, we might have a nine o'clock in the morning practice just to get start. You know, getting ready for the Olympics. You know, and he's going. At, I mean, he's going all out. He's going after every play, every defensive play, not just offense, defense and offense, every play. That's what he's doing. He's doing everything he can every play. And you don't see that. You don't see that too much in the game uh, when it's the summertime and, you know, you're 
two or three weeks away from playing in the Olympics. But that's what he was, and uh, he brought that to the game, and he affected everybody that he was around. His his will to win and his want to win was second to none. Jim, thank you so much for, for picking up the phone. I know it's a very yep. difficult day for everyone, but yep. thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there you have it. That was yesterday on ESPN Radio. That was maybe two hours after the news had broke. It's it's a very good job by Coach Beheim. I thought it was great questioning. I just love the whole thing. I want to send a shout out to a new you know a Syracuse guy, Pete Genesini, a buddy of ours, uh, who helped us get that that interview uh, in, in the audio for that. And we're going to be playing part, portions of that throughout the whole day here on ESPN Syracuse. So just a great job by Jim Beheim. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Bill Rapp Superstore's Rapid Purchase. Enjoy the entire car buying process from your laptop top tablet or mobile device at billrap.com. All right, uh, 315-437-7644. Let's go to Brian in Philadelphia. Brian, you're on ESPN Syracuse. Hey, guys. How you doing? Danny, Shifty here. Hey, Shifty, what's up, baby? I uh, just figured I came across you guys on Twitter, so I figured I'd give you a call. Uh, Very nice. I became aware of Kobe. When I started coaching in 1992, there was a he played in this program. There was a famous AU program around here. Uh, Sam Rines was the gentleman who ran it, and um, a kid who played on my team said, "Oh, we got a kid in our we got a kid in the program who's going to be in the NBA." So of course everybody laughed and he said, "Like, and who's that?" And he goes, "Oh, it's some kid named Kobe." And we're like, "Well, what kind of name is that anyway?" And uh, of course Kobe evolved from there, and um, you know his legend at Lower Marion started, and we'd go see him, and he was, you know, certainly a man among boys, even at that really young age. And there's a, also a famous thing here in Philly called the um, Donna Frio Classic, which is like a one and done tournament in the spring, and. Uh, Kobe played on um, Sunny Hill's team from the Sunny Hill League, and it was used to it used to crack me up. They had a guy, Danny, you probably know his name is John Hardnett. He he ran workouts in Philadelphia for years for all guys who became pros. And but Sunny Hill, so John was coaching the team, but Sunny Hill would be sitting on the other side of the gym, and he'd just be yelling out, "Give Kobe the ball and get out of the way." <laughs> so that was how Sunny sort of wanted. Cobra to be running, and then you know I, I then well, that, that, that's kind of lasted for the next twenty five years. Give Cobra exactly. the ball, get out of the way. <laughs> I think every coach took that from Sonny, and you know, and then when I became, uh, I worked obviously at Comcast Sportsnet in Philly for twenty years, and I was what was called the daytime field producer. Anytime, you know, hockey, basketball, they when they were here, they always had to shoot arounds in the morning, as you would certainly know, and. Uh, so I was the guy who always went down. So I knew Kobe a little bit. Plus, also, uh, I coached at Abington Friends School at the time, and R. Michael Jordan, the one who went to Penn, he was on that team with Kobe, too. So I got a little connection with Kobe you know, through Mike when going to see him play, watching him practice and stuff. But when I started working at CompuCast Sports, and like I said, whenever the Lakers were in town, I was generally the field producer in the morning, and I'd go down there. Kobe always gave me a huge smile, gave me a big hug, asked me how everything was going. So despite his, you know, on-court killer persona, uh, I was fortunate, as you guys all know, you know, you meet many people in this business. There's a lot of people who, frankly, end up being jerks. But Kobe was, you know, what he should have been doing on the court he did and what he should have been doing off the court he did, too. 
just well, luckily, Brian, uh, the nicest, friendliest person you could trying to back him down. Yeah, I said, luckily you were trying to back him down at the end of the fourth quarter. Then he might not have been so <laughs> I nice. was not capable of doing that, Dan. You might have been. I wasn't. <laughs> well, what's interesting is, is that you saw that killer instinct as a, what, 13-year-old. And, uh, well, I... Yes, when he was in high school, like I said, I mean, look, he was a teenager, so you see videos of him now, even on YouTube and stuff. He he was, you know, built real slight, but he was he was tall and lanky. But he was, you know, I mean, we all know we all know players when we see him, and he certainly was. He was a, a yeah, couple cool. steps above everybody else. He, you know, he could shoot, he could handle. Obviously, he was dunking at a young age. I mean, you know, it's legendary how from his dad being on the Sixers. And he used to go to Sixers practices, and, and he used to, uh, you know, when he was 13, 14, there was a place called the Sporting Club where Sixers at off times used to uh, used to work out here where Kobe would run, and he was certainly kept up with everybody who was on the Sixers, you know, in his, That's great. In his early teens. Yeah. Brian, and, we appreciate um, it. we got to awesome. run. we got to run. Brian, Thank thanks you for so much, in. though. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Talk we'll, to you, Dan. We'll talk soon. That's really great. I, I, love, the, I love to hear it. All day, I, I I think I think coming up, uh, Atan and Roosevelt and and Polly are coming up. I, I think Atan's going to be must listen to today. Uh, I told you that yesterday. I said, "What's Atan doing? I want to hear him." Um, and then later on, the, the whole the whole broadcast today. Uh, this is clearly the biggest story. And we'll tomorrow. Uh, Syracuse has won five in a row, and we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, no question, that's a big thing. And uh, but that's a sports thing, and this is a bigger than sports thing. Uh, thanks to Danny, thanks to Tommy, and thanks to Brett and everybody else who put the show together. Uh, I'm Seth for Danny Shays. Uh, this is Centers of Attention.